Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. In our sacred conversations, we're talking about the five verses that I personally use to articulate the gospel. These are not the only five verses that articulate the gospel, but I've arranged them in accordance with a the systematic theology, kind of built upon what I was trained to do. Um, I didn't know this until like 15 years into my ministry, but they were sort of based upon the four spiritual laws. It was influenced by Campus Crusade for Christ. It was a similar way. Also, sort of co coincides with the Romans road. Uh, so we've, we have two verses, really three total, in my five verses that I always use to articulate the gospel that all come from the book of Romans. Uh, now we're going to incorporate John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is particularly important in the Seattle context because we're very pluralistic even as we are atheistic. Those two tend to go hand in hand. And when you don't have a logos, you don't have an authoritative moral basis, anything kind of goes. We are more of a relativist society. And really, we're not truly relativist because true relativism would abide and can I use the word tolerate? Christianity. What our culture really teaches is anything but Jesus is true and valid and worthy of respect. But Jesus says the opposite, that he is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and the only way to God is through Jesus. The only way to the Father is through the Son. These are Jesus' words. So to teach that there are multiple paths to God, or the way that Seattle may, might say it, there are multiple truths, is to tell Jesus, you're wrong and I'm right. You lied and I'm telling the truth. This is a powerful moment as well to slide the Bible across the table because as they read these words, as the Holy Spirit enables them to grasp it, you see Jesus make the audacious, exclusive truth claim that is innate within Christianity. And so Jesus bears the weight of Christianity's exclusivity, and he can handle it. It's not you as an individual making the exclusive truth claim. It is God himself. The weight of the exclusive truth claim rests upon Jesus' own shoulders, and he can handle it. Now, when you've shared this verse, by default, this, among many other verses, by the way, does eliminate from the discussion other faith systems, other belief systems. And it furthermore, I believe, eliminates truth systems that try to appropriate Christianity. In fact, that's kind of the formula for most, most pagan faith systems, especially those that are prominent today. They try to borrow from Christianity, and as we're trained to do in improv classes, I say we, I've never been to one before, as they are trained to do in improv classes, use the words yes and, and then add on to it, end up just kind of re-articulating the same formula for all false teachings. Yes, God, and also this. <laughs> So uh, that's where Mormonism comes from, that's where Islam comes from, that's what Jehovah's Witnesses do, it, uh, that's what the Hare Krishnas in a sense also do. Like, it's all trying to add on to this. Yes, Jesus plus, the gospel plus, the word of God plus, that's that, that's that basic formula for all heresy. 
John 14, 6 has this way of eliminating all of that. As per in my acoustic Bible, if that's what you choose to use, the red letter text of Jesus' own words. So he has just given us the one command we have in all of Scripture in the New Testament. We had lots of commands in the Old Testament. Now we have one. This does not nullify the Ten Commandments. That would be antinomianism, as if you're against the law of God. No, the law of God will remain forever. Not one stroke of the pen from the letter of the law will ever disappear all the way through the ages. The Word of God lasts forever. And as we see in the book of Romans, as we see as well, we can apply here, by the law of God, we become conscious of our sin. We're no longer saved by adherence to the law of Moses. That's how people were saved in the Old Testament, and their adherence to the law of Moses demonstrated their faith in the Messiah who was to come. Now we're saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. There's another verse you can use to describe the exclusivity of Christianity. Now, if we confess with our mouths Jesus is Lord, and believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. But Romans 10.9 is for tomorrow's devotion. Now I want to zoom out a little bit. Look at this one command that Jesus gave and then go to verse 6 of John chapter 14. So to do that, I got to go back into chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus, knowing that he's about to be glorified and God's going to be glorified in him. That's 13.31. John 13.34 is where the new command comes from. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Do you see how destructive infighting within Christianity is? We've just publicly on the internet demonstrated a lack of love for each other. And in so doing, we've controverted the way that Jesus said others would know we are his disciples. That's why I don't think that any Christian slander comes from someone who's actually following Christ. And any true Christian who publishes libel about another Christian is sinning. This is how everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Verse 36, Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I tell you, a rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is the only way to be saved, the only way to the Father. He is the only truth and everything else is a lie. He is the only life. 
So they're not going to find life in substance abuse. They're not going to find life in sexual sin. They're not going to find life in worldly wealth. They're not going to find life in public acceptance, in popularity, in relationships, or in any other person. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to God the Father except through Jesus. So in John 14, 6, Jesus, one with God the Father, bears the full weight of the audaciously exclusive truth claim to Christianity. And his shoulders are more than ample to the task. In fact, it becomes no longer audacious as it's perceived in our culture. It's altogether righteous. Everything else is an audacious lie.